everybody. Welcome to our fifth episode of the Havas Education podcast, Talking Eds. A new voice for you today. I am Tom Pugh, a Senior Account Director at Havas Education. And today I'm delighted to be having a chat with Sam Badcock, our very own social media campaign manager. So a little bit about Sam. I'll build him up before he talks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's been with us for over a year now um, and alongside education clients also works with the likes of Mars and American Express. He's worked in social media for almost five years and having spent time at a selection of London agencies, he's now settled at Havas. And can I add, we're more than very lucky to have him. Within the world of social, Sam works across both organic and paid activity and is a whiz at staying up to date with new developments and putting his skills to good use by helping our clients create the best content possible. And I can certainly vouch for this. He absolutely enjoys spending his Saturdays at university open days creating content. I remember (laughs) saying, Sam, I need you to work on a Saturday. And I thought, what answer am I going to get? And he was very happy to do that. So I can see you've got a real passion. (laughs) um so welcome um sam and thank you for being our fifth guest thank you very much very excited yes i've listened to the other episodes of the podcast um super keen to get on yeah very excited can't wait thanks for the lovely intro wow um no worries um and at the time of this recording we're just one week post heist awards so Uh. sam how did you find it I found it brilliant. So that was actually my first Heist Awards. I've never been to one before um, because they've been online for the last couple of years and it Mm. was absolutely fantastic. I think I speak for everybody when I say it was probably the most impressive event I've ever been to. Um, All the bells and whistles, um, Mm. even just down to the smallest details. It was also nice nice to meet everybody. Yeah. So yeah, I had a great time. What about you? I mean, you've been to one before, right? I have been to one before, and yeah, obviously the online ones. Um, And it was as I remembered, really. It's like, it's as if the the whole COVID experience hadn't have happened, and it was just another year. And it was, was, you know, it was really good. It had, like, really good, brought back all the memories of the previous one I went to. And it was just good to see everybody in one room, really. A really good year. Really good Mm -hmm. year. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Today, we thought we would look at top tips on social media student marketers across the world of social. So this would cover spend allocation, trends, performance, content, and also finally tracking. Before we go into our top tips, Sam, I thought I'd ask you just how important is social to audience of potential students? Good question. So I would say very. Um, We do a lot of research as an agency into like prospective applicants, their online behaviour and what their sort of priorities are. And I'd say a really big part of that now is, you know, how how are they receiving these messages and who do they want to hear it from? Are we just going to take an institution's word for it? You know, probably not. Like we want to be able to see it for ourselves. I want to be able to hear students talk about their experience. I want to hear it straight from the the customer's mouth. You know, I want to hear exactly what they've been up to how they found it um because it is an overarching experience it's not just you know furthering your education it's like a whole lifestyle change it's a big shift Mm. Mm. um so yeah i'd say it's massively massively important hugely Mm. and i guess you get that not not just for going to university but as a customer you get that same experience with a whole host of things whether that's i don't know booking a holiday and you'd want to go on social media to see that same destination or the same hotel and you want to feel like you know, want to guarantee what the experience is going to be like. And well, hopefully it tends, it works out to be that experience. But 
it, you know the information's out there and why why would it be any different to you know education and universities exactly exactly that you know if someone is telling me about how amazing their hotel is you know it's got all the bells and whistles got a nice mm. breakfast i'm like okay well i mean great but there's so many other things that come with that experience of being in a new place and mm. it's the same logic that needs to be applied you know a huge chunk of people um go to university outside of their home city mm. um so you can't you know you can't just rely on on, on that alone there's so many other factors that you have to consider mm. um and this is why i know we've sort of briefly chatted about this earlier um a lot of universities are dabbling in influencer you know you see a lot mm. of students with like significant followings being roped in yes. by the universities to talk about how they found things their university story mm. um you know and that's that's just another element being tacked onto that so yeah hugely mm. hugely important mm. And can I add that the influencer um, strategy is, from my experience, I've seen it as limited success. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's really natural and organic and sometimes it's like, they're telling me to do this. But <laughs> it, either way, I'm sure we will cover this. So yes. I guess the yes. floor is yours for top tip numero uno. Yeah. So the first thing that I wanted to touch on when it comes from sort of an education market perspective is kind of in reference to what we just talked about is really focusing on the student experience. You know, when you've got a prospective applicant looking at universities, they consider, you know, the amount of contact hours you've got. And, you know, realistically, out of the week, it's not that many as it would have been as you were in sixth form or in secondary mm. school. So then you start to think, actually, there's so much more beyond the classroom. So when weighing up my choices, what other factors are we actually considering? So, you know, this can be everything from extracurriculars, sports teams, students union. Also, what's the city known for? You know, as an mm. example, I'm from, you know, I come from Bristol, um, which has a huge arts culture and has a beautiful harbour side. And, you know, for example, if I was to talk to someone about that city, I would want to make sure that that was communicated, you know, through all of that, all of these unique like USPs um, mm. to the place that you're going to. Um, but this can really vary depending on where you are. You know, this can be whether you're a campus university or a huge city university, whether you're based in London or whether you're in the likes of Manchester or mm. somewhere a little bit more coastal. You know, it's it's really focusing on what makes this place special. Um, and like we said earlier, you know, you're not just selling the program, you're selling the lifestyle that the university invites. You know, what's my life going to look like when I come here? And that's one of the biggest factors to consider when you're speaking to sort of prospective students. Um, so, yeah, that is my uh, top tip number one. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> let, <laughs> you know, let let the students tell the story because yeah. they're your best asset. They are your absolute strongest asset. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good one, Sam. And I, th and I think... Absolutely, with getting to understand the location or the city or the town that you're going to study. I mean, more often than not, we, we do see university ads on social where they could be in any location and you feel like you, you could copy and paste another university logo on that ad and it would still be you know applicable. Um, whereas, you know, the UK is incredibly diverse. Um, you know, there really is a lot of um, different experiences out there where if you wanted to be bang in the middle of the city, if you wanted a town fill, if you wanted a, a, a large campus fill. I mean, there's, there's so many differences out there. And, you know, social is a, a great tool to try to 
get a, get across just what that experience is going to be like. So it's it's a perfect opportunity to shout about your key USPs, isn't it? And um, yeah, exactly that, exactly that. And I think a big part of that as well, when you speak about different experiences, um, the sort of thing that you're looking for, um, it's actually a really great opportunity to you know help sort of dispel any misconceptions. Hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people tend to think that when you live in when you go to like a big city university you don't have as much of a social connection when actually that's not true and so many unis have so many wonderful programs to help really build that community culture um and we've seen that across so many of the central london unis um so it's also an opportunity for you to tell you know the stories and kind of rewrite that narrative and guide mm. that customer journey in the way that you want it to go um so it's massively important and this is why we always say when it comes to social content it needs to feel native like really 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 native you don't need to focus on the hard sell it needs to feel very natural and feels like it should naturally be placed there on social media because mm. ultimately although there are ads on social do we scroll through social to see ads no we scroll through to look at content that we like to yeah. consume every day right um so yeah. i think you're absolutely bang on there definitely yeah and i i think i think gen z are quite savvy i think they know when they're being sold to mm-hmm. um and it's kind of not cool to be sold to so yeah i absolutely get that uh, yeah i always say to people trust your own instincts when it comes to social you know people may not realize how much they do know because you know you are the consumer if you don't think it's going to resonate that well with people don't overthink it if like if you don't think it will it probably won't mm-hmm. <laughs> because it you know you as a consumer you need to trust your own instincts in terms yeah. of how susceptible you feel to advertising like you said mm-hmm. people people aren't stupid if they're mm-hmm. being advertised to they will know <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah um great okay top tip number two yeah so i thought this was a nice sort of caveat into content gathering now it is a little difficult creating social content from scratch especially when you're trying to engage like internal stakeholders or any students to make some content for you and it's all about hitting that sweet spot between creating something that looks refined and polished but not overly pushy but also on the flip side doesn't look too homemade you know you don't want it to look a little bit bonky a little bit janky and you want to make sure you've got that sort of sense of brand consistency throughout the content that's going out there um so i always say uh, my next big top tip is digital parameters i think it's a hugely important thing that people can build on so when creating content constructing digital parameters give you something to operate within now this normally can comprise of like digital end frames um, animated transitions consistent subtitling um, styles and when you've got these sort of elements like frameworks you can take any use generated content any video that you shoot and you can just slot them into these frameworks that you've built now that's a way for you to still have use generated content you're still getting the information straight from the source it just allows you to tie everything together and create that sort of unity um, in the content you're putting together and the nice thing with that is rather than just being reactive you're like oh gosh i don't know what sort of content i'm going to get i've no Mm -hmm. idea what it's going to look like it allows you to prepare that ahead of time you know i know exactly how this is going to look i know exactly what the output is going to be um and you know if someone's transitions are the best that's fine we have like animated transitions as a contingency in case that doesn't work i've got a nice 
end frame that I can use off the back of that. I've got a nice track that I can put over the top and I can subtitle everything for accessibility reasons. Um, I always say to people, you might not realize, but I think it's over half of audiences on social watch videos in silence. So even aside from accessibility reasons, it's so important to subtitle you know have all these kinds of motion graphics and things like that but you can build those frameworks and equip yourselves going forward um for video on social so yeah definitely very important mm, i think that's a good one so i guess it's ensuring that we have content which is specifically for the channel that we want to run on so i'll give you an example i'm one of those guys who use TikTok and I was hugely, hugely addicted to it. And I literally had to stage my own personal intervention and delete it. So I now I'm one of those people that watches the TikTok trends on Instagram, probably about three weeks after or maybe a month after they, they were called on TikTok. And I feel like it, it kind of works on Instagram. But absolutely, there are key major differences, say, between content that you'd have on Meta or Facebook or Snapchat compared to TikTok. So I guess within that key framework, we just want to make sure that it's still as relevant for the platform as it possibly can be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's really, really, really important. Um, and what I will say is people tend to get very intimidated by the term trends. They worry that they're going to be constantly playing catch up, constantly just reacting to things as they happen rather than being able to pre-plan. But you have to remember mm. alongside those sort of reactive trends, you have that sort of evergreen side of things i always say like fun transitions so there's always new ways to transition from one place to another whether that be from sat at home on the couch to putting your hand over the camera and then pulling away and suddenly you're outside a huge london city university you know those are things that we've been seeing since um like vine and you know the conception mm. of like reels and now tiktok you, those sorts of things don't die out especially like day in the life content you know yeah. so whilst it is important to be reactive to trends that is just one element to good social content you mm. know Know, there's so many facets you could look at and not everything has to be completely in the moment because there are things that are evergreen um so i i definitely think that's really really important um yeah absolutely great okay two down what's your next top tip <laughs> um so this is actually quite a big one so a question that i'm getting a lot now um is around targeting now we obviously want to make sure that we maximize um the budget that we have and get as much return on investment as possible. And a lot of that comes from retargeting and like targeting our audiences. You want to make sure as granular as possible, be as defined as possible. Now, whilst that's great, I am aware that, you know, recent developments mean that we have a little bit less visibility um, restrictions on cookies give us less of a view on in terms of like the full user journey. Right. But what I say to people when they come to me with these questions is that we have to trust the medias to do what they do best and engage. So I always say to people that not a lot of not a lot of audiences sometimes realize is that you can build custom audiences based off of how people engage with your social profiles. And that spans both organic and paid advertising. So, for example, if you have a lot of video content on Meta, on Instagram and Facebook, mm. um, there may be someone who um, like watches my video in full and then doesn't engage with us again, or they may have been hit with an ad, they watch the full video and then just kept scrolling. Now, people often think of retargeting as, okay, they clicked on the ad and then didn't convert. Mm -hmm. But it's not just as simple as that, right? Retargeting in its simplest form is re-engaging with people who have a qualified interest. 
And that doesn't just have to be someone from your advertising. So I always say you can build custom audiences. Some of them you only need to build once. For example, people who click through from a piece of content onto our profile. This is someone who has a qualified interest in our institution, which means they're a value to me. So if I can funnel them through our other demographic targeting, you know, they're in the right location, they meet the right age bracket, they may not have like they may have only been hit with our ads once, but you know, they're still a value to me. I can incorporate those into my remarketing efforts, right? And what I will say is there's no limit to how many custom audiences you can build. You can go crazy if you have some like long form pieces of video for thought leadership. You can target people who've watched 25%, 50%, and 75% of that video and add them into these custom pools of people and hit them again. Um and I always say to people, I mean, a question for you, Tom. I mean, did you, the last time you saw an ad on social, did you click through straight away and convert? Did you buy something? Um, oh, I think having working in advertising, I, it's kind of a bit of a faux pas to do that. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah. Because most people don't. Most people don't even do that. And that's yeah. the point that I, that I always try to make is that it takes multiple touch points on social oh, to get absolutely. any kind of conversion. So you want to catch all of these people on their first on their first interaction their second interaction their third interaction mm. because these are these people are so valuable to you um so always incorporate them into your into your retargeting and those custom mm. audiences are great and that can be like on meta um on yeah. linkedin um and i just think it's really important to try and you know keep building on those and although we may feel like we have a good um insight and some good knowledge into our audiences as we acquire new fans we go through the the process of fan acquisition mm. our audience will change because it has mm. new people in it so it's important that we keep building those custom audiences you know keep them gathering those people gathering yeah. that that data on the media platforms um just so we can make sure that we're reaching everybody that we can and that all plays into the overarching goal of getting the most out of the money that you're spending mm. um because ultimately there is an end goal there right mm. um so yes top tip custom audiences make sure people check them out um use them as much as you can and let the medias work for you because ultimately that's their job right mm. you well exactly yeah i guess there's an element of trust there you mentioned around um sort of the possibilities of building custom um list is endless and ultimately i know working with universities as i do that actually there are limitations i i.e budget restraint which well, you know we get it you know there's not a you know a money tree that universities can use so how much money would we be talking to to successfully i i guess trial several of these um audiences so what I would say is that you don't need to separate the audiences out into separate advertising. So, for example, with one of our clients previously, um, they had some like demographic um, kind of parameters for their targeting. Um, and they were looking to remarket those people um, with a lead generation um, ad to download like prospectuses, for example. Yes. Right. Um, but I'm not just going to include one of those custom audiences. There's no limit to how many I can include. So I'm including people who meet that age criteria, who've mm -hmm. engaged with our profile before, not just the initial burst of advertising, right? Mm -hmm. So you can add as many as you like into these pools um, and, you know, and reach those people. Mm -hmm. um, what I will say is that, so I tend to manage everything in terms of daily spend. Mm -hmm. um, 
and there's a really key metric um, which is called frequency so i can see out of the audience pool that i'm advertising to i can see on average how many times they've seen my ad um, so if it's less than one, if your budget is minimal, I know that not that many people out of this audience have seen my ad. And like we just discussed, it will take more than once in order for people to convert and to do something. Mm. So that, that's not enough. Um, when it comes to retargeting, it's actually a lot less than people might think. Um, because you're looking at a pool of people that is much, much, much smaller. And you don't just want to spend money for the sake of it, right? Yes. If you just if you just absolutely funnel money at retargeting, mm-hmm. um, the medias will take it. Mm, um, I'm sure they will, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But your your cost per acquisition and your CPC yeah. will shoot through the roof. So it's it's yeah. not always necessary. Um, sometimes it can even be as low as, you know, five to ten pounds a day if you've got a really yeah. small pool of people. But that's yeah. why I say like a small audience isn't always a bad thing. That refined yeah. pool means these people are much more susceptible to receive your messaging because mm. they've already expressed an interest in you. Yeah. Um yeah. so the, the conversion rate for that is much, much, much higher. And I guess just touching on frequency as well, um, and you mentioned, I, I guess, that retargeting is limitless as well. But I mean, there's nothing worse than seeing the same ad over and over again. And then yeah, I kind of click, why am I stop seeing this ad? Why am I seeing this ad? So, you know, it's important that, you know, we, we do want to convert those people, be that sign up for an open day, download the prospectus, but we don't want to have a negative impact you know certainly with our brand um we don't want to be that university that just so desperate they can't get enough people to sign up for their open days so absolutely it's about you know ensuring that we do deliver good return return on investment but we don't annoy our audience at the same time yeah no you're you're absolutely right so on the flip side when i say frequency we don't want it to be too low because mm. we want to make sure we've got those multiple touch points but you know on the other side of the coin you don't want to hit people too many times and that's mm. often a conversation that i actually have quite a lot because a lot of our clients will say you know we've got this asset it's great um cool so we'll run that for the next like say six months yeah um mm. and often you tend to find you know if you're even though your audiences will still accumulate over time the vast mm. majority of those remain in that audience pool um for a fixed period of time um, mm. and you can sometimes see the frequency you know people can see it up to 10 20 times yeah. um and like you said you don't you want to act in benefit to your clients you don't want to you know be a hindrance to them and mm. if you see the frequency go too high you run the risk of people clicking those three dots in the top right of the ad yeah. and saying i've seen this too many times i don't want to yeah. see this and you don't want it you don't want it to have a negative influence on people's you know considerations when looking at universities yes. you want it to have a positive one and that's yeah. why i always say to be mindful of frequency that it's not too high and be wary of creative fatigue and this is why it's always nice to have a few different variations when it comes to running advertising um and actually, that's one of the things that we always say is best practice. So um, extra top tip, um, just make sure you have enough different variations because every audience is different and there's no guarantees when it comes to social activity, right? Mm-hmm. It is at best, you know, the strongest um, kind of estimate that you, that you can make. So it's important to have a few variations to allow the medias to um, test and learn, go through their own processes, see which of these pieces of advertising matches up best to your audience um, and switch things up every couple of months, you know, because you want to mm. make sure that people aren't seeing the same thing. Um, because like you rightly said, you know, it's it's irritating. People don't mm. want to see the same thing all the time uh, and we don't want that to be the case. Yeah. And I guess 
it's been smart with our data as well. So if I had signed up to an open day, then I can imagine, you know, my details would be on a CRM system somewhere. Uh, it's absolutely possible to plug that data into Meta or, or to whatever social channel that is to exclude them from future open day ads because yeah. I've already signed up. You don't need to tell me to do it again. Maybe give me some content around, I don't know, how I should get there or what I yep. should suspect on the day or, you know, something like that. So exactly that. And it's about hitting that sweet spot, you know, whilst you want to hit people multiple times, you don't want to be annoying, um, but you also want to remain salient, right? Mm. You want to remain front of mind for these people. Um, mm. And that's one of the nice things that medias have started allowing us to do. So for example, both LinkedIn and Meta now allow you to integrate your own CRM system. Um, when building custom audiences. Um, so I can now exclude everybody who has, you know, already signed up to an open day, already clicked on apply, already had an offer to them, and I can exclude them for advertising. But also I can build something called a lookalike audience, which is another type of custom audience that you can build. So similar to what I said earlier, yeah. um, the, the media will then look at this audience and they can say, so this audience that have made this action all express fairly similar traits. So I'm going to create a duplicate audience of different people, but all of these people express similar traits to those who converted, um, which is just another element that you can kind of yeah. tack on, um, tack on to that. So, you know, absolutely. And, and data is really important. I know a lot mm. of universities will have their own CRM systems to manage all of those who engage with open days, information evenings, subject specific webinars, you know, the list goes on and it's all about how we can use that um, to our advantage. And, you know, they, the medias are really now starting to build on that and add these capabilities, because like we said before, if we have a little bit less visibility in terms of the full customer journey elsewhere, we need to be a bit more strategic with how we use the data that we already have. Mm, great. Thanks, Sam. And I should probably add at this stage that there are GDPR implications around this. So for anybody listening, um, make sure you get you, 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 You've got all the terms and conditions that required, so I don't want anyone's getting in any trouble. If you absolutely. do, don't point us in our direction. <laughs> Abs absolutely. Um, but yeah, and what I will say is that the medias are great in providing us compliant ways in order to do that. So we have no, like we do this with a number of our clients in terms of lookalikes and incorporating their CRM system, but I've also never seen a single row of, of, of data um, because that's ultimately what the media is there for, right? They yes. are the people who test and learn and and run this activity um so yeah absolutely not trying to get jailed here so no well they've made millions well billions and trillions and i doubt based on you know and, and they know exactly what they're doing so yeah we have to rely on them to a certain extent mm -hmm. um great okay next top tip how far are we on your list of top tips sam is this your last top tip um, I believe that actually was my last top tip. Um, oh, yeah, I know. I mean, hey, I'll come back. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Um, we'd be more than happy to have you back. Well, I'd like to thank you, Sam. Um, you certainly love social media. Um, you can talk about it all day, and I can vouch for that having sat next to you in the office before. <laughs> Shut up. I love it. Um, so thank you for your uh, excellent insights, your expertise, um, and it's it's been fascinating talking to you today. Um, if people enjoyed listening today, or if they'd like to get in touch, or they'd like to ask any questions, or perhaps maybe they'd even like to volunteer to be our next host, our next guest actually, not host, <laughs> please feel free to, well, you can host if you want, um, if you work for Have Us Education. 
please feel free to contact myself at tom.pew@haveuspeople.com. And Sam, I think that's it for today. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I've had a great time. Brilliant. Well, thank you, everyone, and enjoy your day. Awesome. All right. See you later, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.